This podcast is brought to you by Aetna. Learn how Aetna is working to build a healthier world by visiting aetnastory.com. Hi, it's Doro, and I'm so excited to announce that the Achieving Optimal Health Conference is just around the corner on October 26th at Georgetown University. For our Health Gig listeners, we have a special offer. If you sign up by September 20th, you'll get $50 off your ticket. Just go to AchievingOptimalHealthConference.com and use the code HEALTHGIG. Get ready to create a happier and healthier life story. People are yearning for information. Having the opportunity to encourage people and to educate people and inspire people. It's amazing to be able to say we'll carve out time to take care of ourselves. There's something for everyone. Welcome to the BBNR Wellness Podcast. I'm your host, Patricia Riley Cook. And I'm your host, Dora Bush Cook. Thank you for listening. We are so excited that we get to do this podcast and help people learn how to take better care of themselves by interviewing thought leaders and experts in health and wellness about their personal health journeys. Today, we're talking to the one and the only Reba McIntyre, a singer, actress, and producer who's been known as the Queen of Country. She is one of the best-selling artists of all time. And fun fact, she and her mother were recently inducted into the Cowgirl Hall of Fame, which we think is just awesome. This is a very special interview for us because Reba means a lot to both of our families. My father loves country music, and Reba is a dear family friend. My brother, TJ, who was a country singer with special needs, adored Reba, so being able to speak with her today is really a treat. We can't wait for you to hear her thoughts on the healing power of music. She's going to tell us how music got her through some tough times and how she stays positive through her work in life. We hope you enjoy our talk with Reba as much as we did, and we'll be checking back in with you at the end of the show. It is such a pleasure to welcome Reba McIntyre to Health Gig. Reba is a dear friend of my family, and we all truly love her. Music brings us pleasure, but also has enormous healing properties. No one brings more pleasure and healing to the world than Reba, and so we are so happy, Reba, that you are here with us today. Oh, thank you very much. Glad to be. I'm very glad to get to talk to you guys. I love the topic you guys are wanting to talk about. So uh, thanks for including me. Sure. Um, Let's start. I wanted to start by asking you if you can talk to us about the importance of doing what you love, because um, today we want to explore what it means to live a well-lived life. Well, I think a well-lived life is doing something that you love doing. If you've got a job that you love doing, it's not work, it's play. That's the way it was when I was doing the TV show. That wasn't work at all. That was a lot of fun hanging out with creative, fun people. Doing Annie Get Your Gun in, on Broadway in 2001 was the hardest job I ever did in my life. But it wasn't work because I enjoyed it so much. Every night I came away with a new favorite song. And then playing here at Caesars Palace in Las Vegas with Ronnie and Kicks, Brooks and Dunn, it's just something I absolutely love to do. So I'm very blessed, very grateful, and very, very thankful that I get to do that. Reba, Trisha, and I saw you on Broadway in Annie Get Your Gun. (laughs) It was so great. So good. So good. Thank you. And I think we read or you told us that you didn't shoot a gun before that one. Is that right? Before Annie Get Your Gun? 
Pretty much so, yeah. I did the Buffalo Girls movie for CBS Television, and I said, well, if I'm going to be Annie Oakley, i got to learn how to shoot. Right. So I, I started trapping skeet shooting and fell in love with it. And then when I did uh, the play on Broadway, I was more prepared after getting to do Buffalo Girls. <laughs> so neat. So, um, can you talk to us about combining your passion of music with your faith in your new album that's actually up for a Grammy, which is so exciting. Um, your new album, Thank you. Sing It Now. Yeah, I'm just really thrilled to get to do a gospel album. I had stayed away from that because my little sister, Susie, uh, Susie Eaton, Susie McIntyre Eaton, that's her lane. I wanted to stay out of her lane. But when I told her that my record label of my friends had been asking me to do a gospel album, she said, oh, Reba, go for it. And the encouragement from my little sister was really special. And so I started looking for songs, and I, I recorded way too many, and so they just made it into a dual CD. One CD, 10 songs that were the hymns that I grew up singing, and then 10 songs were the songs that I'd found that are brand new. So we were thrilled to death. To get to do the album, the response has been incredible. To be nominated for a Grammy is unbelievable. It's a dream come true. I give all the credit and the glory to God. And then to also have won a, a Dove Award off this album, that's that's totally, um, <laughs> it was just a really good feeling that something that was so heartfelt was received in the same fashion by everybody who's listened to it. That's mm. awesome. And we think we heard you say that music is healing and put the love of Jesus in it, and there's nothing better. Nothing better. Absolutely not. This this album has been very healing for me. I've had a rough two years. And then uh, for it to help heal my heart, the response that we've gotten from fans and friends they said that it's really helped heal their heart, too. So it was a true blessing to get to do this album. Mm. We also remember you saying, and in our research, because it was so much fun researching you, is that you said mm -hmm. that one of the hardest lessons, and I, I may get this wrong, but this was the idea, the hardest lessons is to carry on with a broken heart. And and I know yeah. it, that really touched me. And, and if you could expand on that and talk to us about how that affects you in your life and your, and your singing... Well, in 91, when the plane crash happened, it took the lives of some of my band members, my tour manager, and two pilots. And they were flying out of San Diego, two planes. Um, they had split up you know, the band and crew in two planes, and one made it safely out, and the other crashed there on Otay Mountain at Brown Field. And I, I didn't think I'd ever be able to get back on stage again. But I had crew members, I had band members that we needed to go on and we needed to figure out a way to survive. And that's music. Music uh, really was the healing factor in that. I mean, that was to keep us busy, to keep our mind on something other than our loss. Mm -hmm. And also another thing that happened um, after we got back home, Narvel had said they're asking about are you going to sing at the Oscars? Because I had been booked to sing. And I told him, I said, I don't see how I'll ever get back on stage. And I was sitting in my bathroom at my sitting area, and um, the band came to me just as sweet oh, and just as I could hear them. And they were saying, do that for us. Oh. And wow. so I, went, I walked back in there. I told Nardo, yeah, I'll do it. And he said, are you sure? I said, yeah. And I, and I sang 
on the stage that night on the Oscars in 91. And I wasn't nervous at all because I knew I wasn't doing it for me. Mm. I wasn't doing it for my career. Right. 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 Unbelievable. And so the song was uh, off of the Postcards from the Edge movie that couldn't get to the Oscars. And the song was I'm Checking Out of This Heartbreak Hotel. (sighs) You're kidding. Wow. So I thought that was surreal. But music is very, very healing, and it helps you get through things. Mm-hmm. My faith, my friends, my family, music, I have no idea where my life would be without those four things. Mm-hmm. Mm. Your story reminds me a little bit of my dad, Reba, who who absolutely adores you, as you know. Mm-hmm. And when he mm-hmm. was shot down over um, Chichijima, and he survived, and the other two in the plane you know, did not survive, and he spent his life wondering and and worrying about the two that died, and and so his he his healing process was um, through service to others, and and sort of devoted his life to that, and um, it just reminds me of your story and going keep you know the way you kept going um, is sort of the way he kept going in a way you have a mission you have a way to heal and help others and so anyway mm-hmm. I just thought of that when that, you told that story true. that's very true he, he has been a huge mentor to me and watching him the way he has survived and gone on by helping other people and keeping a very good attitude a positive attitude helped so many people. It sure did help me continue on also. I really thank him for that. Um, well, hot news off the press is that you and your mom are going to be in the Cowgirl Hall of Fame. And can you tell us about that and, <laughs> and what that means? tell us about your mom and everything and your sister. Well, it, was, <laughs> well, it, was, it was the week of uh, Thanksgiving that we got inducted into the Cal- National Cowgirl Hall of Fame and Museum there in Fort Worth, Texas. And Mama and I were thrilled to pieces to get to be inducted into such a wonderful organization. Mama got up and gave her speech, her acceptance speech, and sold the show. I know, she was 91 years old. And when I told her that she was going to get this award, she said, well, why Why me? I'm, I'm not a cowgirl. And I said, you're the toughest cowgirl I know of. Because she would be the one on the ranch that would get up in the morning and, and get ready for work and while daddy was cooking breakfast and us kids were going out to gather the horses so we could um, go gather and and weigh our cattle for shipping. And mama was the person that ran the scales for weighing the cattle and shipping them, putting them up on the trucks and shipping them out to the feedlot. And then mama would load us kids up in the car and take us to school where she was the um, secretary to the superintendent of the school. And she was the one that would drive the feed truck and sold the cattle down from the mountains and while us kids and daddy and the hired hands were behind them and pushing them up to the lot. So mama was the toughest cowgirl on the place. <laughs> but does she, did she sing or does she sing? Mama's where we got our singing. It is, mama okay. taught us kids how to sing. She, when she was a young girl, her best friend uh, left Oklahoma and went to California and called, or wrote mama a letter and said, Jack, you got to come out here. We could be singing in places every night, but Mama's parents wouldn't let her go because they owned a, they they were sharecroppers and they needed Mama to stay there and work. 
and they didn't have the money to send her to California. So she missed that opportunity. So she lived her life, her dreams through us kids. Wow. Mm. So when did the singing McIntyres come about? Well, we were always singing. Mama <laughs> would take us for kids with daddy when they were when daddy was rodeoing. We'd be in the back seat wrestling and something. And Mama would keep us out of trouble by getting us to sing. Taught us four-part harmony, three-part harmony. And then when we started going to school, I did. Anytime the teacher said, anybody want to sing a solo at the Christmas program or Thanksgiving program, I'd raise my hand. And then uh, Peg Susie and I started singing together. And then we formed a uh, mom and the Oklahoma history teacher formed a music class at Kiowa, Oklahoma. And then we were the singing McIntyres. So fun. That's an, does your brother still sing? No, Peg plays the fiddle, but he doesn't sing much anymore. Susie still sings. She's in Florida today, or last night she was performing. Um, she and her husband, Mark Eaton, they they travel a lot. Uh, they sing, and he is a, an inspirational speaker. So Susie gives her testimony and sings, and then they sing together. And It's a very nice program. I sure do enjoy watching them. I bet. So, okay, we also read that you wanted to be a teacher. Is that true? Well, when I graduated from high school, I went there in the kitchen and I sat down at the table and I looked at mom and I said, well, now what do I do? And she <laughs> said, well, you're going to go to college. And I said, well, I'd really rather go rodeoing and uh, be a world champion <laughs> barrel racer. And she said, yeah, that might happen, but you're going to have your education because mama was a stickler about that. Um, daddy's mama was a school teacher. Mama was a school teacher. And so she wanted us kids, especially us girls, to get an education. That if whatever happened, we could take care of ourselves. Wow. And so we did. Um, I went to Southeastern State University in Durant, Oklahoma. And in three and a half years, I got my elementary education degree. And then when I was a sophomore in college, um, I, Daddy thought it would be a good idea for me to sing the national anthem at the National Finals Rodeo in Oklahoma City. That was in 74. He thought it'd be better for me to get a job instead of going up to the finals, the rodeo, and having a big party time, which that's what I was doing. <laughs> so I did. I, I got a job, and Red Stegall heard me sing the national anthem, and 11 months later, I had a recording contract with Polygram Mercury Records. Oh, my word. That's wow. amazing. That is I hadn't amazing. got my education, and uh, my first single was released in the summer of 1976, and I graduated the December of 76. Wow, that's incredible. Um, So, Reba, we read a quote of yours. To succeed in life, you need three things, a wishbone, a backbone, and a funny bone. Can you elaborate a little on that for us? Oh, sure. Well, you've got to have a wishbone. You've got to look forward to something. You've got to put it out in the universe that, you know, I really want to be this one of these days. I'm going to work hard to do this. That's your wish. Um, Your backbone? You you got to work hard. If you don't work hard, people aren't gonna give it to you. So you got to get out there, a backbone, stand up for yourself, work hard, be respectful, and then your funny bone. If things don't turn out like you thought it would, you know, kind of grin and say, "Well, God must have had another plan." Or or if you fail, get backed up and keep working at it. Mm-hmm. But, um, be able to to uh, laugh at the situation. Don't take it so seriously, and keep persevering if that's what you really want. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Oh, it's so true. And laugh. So, 
It's true. Oh, you got to laugh. Yeah, yeah. To take things just way too seriously could kind of really. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not so good. Um, are you still doing your photography? Not as much as I did before. Um, I'm, I'm trying to get back into it. Um, I, I love photography, but I've just been really busy the last two years. Um, it, it's just been something that I had to put back on the back burner for a little while. Right, until you get to it. And then your youngest son is a car racer? Is he still? Yeah, Shelby's, he? <laughs> Shelby's been racing ever since he uh, graduated from college. He, um, he, he loves it. No, no, not since he graduated. Since he started college. He, he was a freshman in college at U of A in Tucson and came home Thanksgiving his freshman year and said, I want to come home. I don't like college. And I said, why? He said, I want to be a race car driver. And I said, where'd that come from? <laughs> and so to uh, bribe him to stay in college, I sent him to the Bondurant School of Racing there in Phoenix. And I said, um, you stay in school this freshman year. And I'll send you to that. It was a four-day school. And he went and he set all, he set track records. And so I thought, wow, this kid's got something. And so we started him in the um, Skip Barber School of Racing. And he traveled all over the country catching up because he was, what, 18, 19 years old. And these kids that he was racing against had been racing since they were four or five years old in go-karts. So he loves it. He's still um, in the Indy, the Road to Indy series. And absolutely loving it. Oh wow! Do you do you have you ever gotten behind a race car? Have you ever done that? No, <laughs> I, I did. I did get in a race car once, and that's enough for me. Yeah, I'll let him stick to that. I'll stay on stage and sing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Less scary, huh? <laughs> oh yeah, it's real scary. Way too fast for me. Um, you are a role model to the new generation of female talent. What's the most important lesson that you teach these young, this upcoming talent? Well, I think teaching is very important to do it by example instead of preaching. Mm. So show up on time, be prepared, and be in a good mood. Mm. I think that's so important on anything you do in life. Be prepared, be on time, and be in a good mood. It's so, Ariba, how do you do that? Like, how do you do that, especially someone like you who's so busy, carries on so many different roles, right? Especially when your children were growing up. I mean, how does that happen? How did you do it? And how did you do it well? Oh, I had a lot of help uh, <laughs> raising Shelby. And then my three stepchildren lived with me separate times. Um, having a lot of help, time management is very important. But to stay in a good mood, I wake up in the morning and I thank God, the Holy Spirit, Mother Mary, uh, Lord Jesus, thank you for this beautiful day that you're letting me be a part of. It's going to be a great day. And setting that positiveness is so important at the very beginning. I'm thanking you in advance for a great day. This is going to be the best day ever. And then to stay in that great attitude, it's gratefulness. It's being thankful. That's what keeps me in a great mood. I know there's rough times, but to be thankful, to be grateful, and to give all the credit to God, that's that's so important. And to know you're not alone, right? That you're not here oh, by yourself. Oh, never alone. I right. mean, the fact that your band showed up, that's just, I'm still thinking about what you said, because I, I, that's incredible, that they were there and they talked to you. 
after they left. That's yeah. wild. Yeah. Reba, your faith, you had said that obviously, and we're talking about that now that it's really important to you. When did you, when did that happen? Or was there a moment or did your mom raise you and your dad raise you that way? But then when did it become your own? Grandma Smith, Mama's Mama, was the one that taught us kids about spirituality. We would go fishing and sit on the pond dam, and she would talk to us about Jesus and Bible stories. And we'd sing, Oh, How I Love Jesus, and When the Roll is Called Up Yonder, and um, Jesus Loves Me. And so that was instilled early, early, early on. I don't remember not ever having Jesus and God in my life. People said, you know, when did you start believing? I've always believed. I just thought that's the way everybody thought. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And then and then with your music, you're able to bring that, your faith and your music, I mean, their faith to your music, especially now, right, with this new, new. Well, now with a gospel album, it's titled, you know, it, it's in that category of gospel spiritual music. But I've been singing spiritual music forever. Songs like Walk On. Mm-hmm. Um, what if there's, yeah. there's a lot of songs that have that secular spiritual mm-hmm. connotations. You can take it either way. Right. But right. those are the ones that really touched my heart that I thought might touch somebody else's heart and help them through their rough mm-hmm. times. Mm-hmm. Definitely do. So when you write your songs, are they essentially telling your personal story or stories you've heard or how does that go? I don't write my own songs. I usually, um, I'm a singer, uh-huh. and I'm not a great songwriter. I have written several songs that I've recorded, but mainly I let the songwriters do that. They're the professionals, mm-hmm. and so I listen to thousands of different tapes and find the songs that really touch my heart, mm-hmm. and that way when I sing it, if I've done my job, it'll touch your heart too. Right. Mm-hmm. We were watching a little bit of the master class that you're offering, which is uh-huh. incredible that people... Sadly, I don't have the gift of singing. Doro does. Doro does. <laughs> yes, you do. Um, but we loved it when we heard you say that uh, it was something like what you just said. If this song speaks to you, then you can speak to others with it. So it becomes your own, right? It becomes part of you. And and you seem to do that so well. Well, thanks. You yeah. know, when I fall in love with a song, it becomes mine. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think a song finds its home. And so there's some songs I've passed on that I wasn't supposed to sing it, and other artists have made it monster hit. Um, so it's just, it's it's got to find its home. Oh, I love that. So so can you expand on that? What does that mean? So the, it, it, how does that work? When well, it finds I put you. on hold, does Fort Worth ever cross your mind? I had that song on hold. I released it. I put it on hold. I released it. I knew it was a great song. But it just wasn't for me. And George Strait, of course, made it into a monster right. hit. Right, right, right. So you it's just, just know. It's just, it's just, it's just it, and it, there's no sense in me keeping it when I know it's not for me. Mm-hmm. It's got to go find its home somewhere else and get out there and get that, get it out yeah. there. Yeah. Do you have right. any songs that your are your favorites, or um, are there any that you love more than others, or do you love them all? Ooh, I love them all, but <laughs> singing on stage, um, Angel on My Shoulder is one of my, one of my all-time favorites. Mm-hmm. Um, so I beautiful. Got the Lord on My Side is a song that Mama and I wrote together. Oh. Um, 
oh, how great thou art. I, I cried. Uh-huh. When I listen to that song, I cry because the Holy Spirit just wraps his arms around me. And that that's a that's a praise and worship serious, serious song. It is. So, so how great thou art is my favorite off the whole album. Mm-hmm. I just get choked up talking about it. Oh, it's so beautiful. You know, because we're a wellness advisory company, one question that comes up to us is how do you how do you stay healthy? How do you what do you eat when you're traveling and how do you do that? And are you exercising? And and um we understand that you had a little bit of a vertebrae issue, is that right? And we read that. <laughs> um and how does that all work? And how do you take care of yourself and put yourself first? And can well, this is my body is uh, a gift from God, and so I take care of it. Uh, I've abused it in the past by rodeoing and falling off of horses and and not eating and drinking right. So now I take care of it the best I can. I apologize to my body for the damage that I've done to it, and I'm trying to make up for it. But uh, while I'm out here in Vegas or wherever I am traveling, I, I eat the best I can. Um, I'm having to, to stay off of dairy. Um, because that messes with my sinuses, and so I can't sing when my sinuses are messed up. So that's another thing. You know, you got to take care of business. I drink a lot of fluids. I drink a lot of water. Uh, coconut water is really, really good for you. It's very hydrating. I exercise. I have my morning routine. And, of course, that's, I do have a, a, a weak back, so when I do my Pilates, that helps strengthen my core, and that helps my back. If I miss my Pilates, um, doing my exercises for a day or two, my back starts hurting worse. So I stay with that. Uh, positive thinking is very important to stay healthy. And my faith, that's, it's, it's really, and I get at least seven hours of sleep a night. If I can get eight or nine, nine, probably I'm a little groggy in the morning, but eight, the perfect number. What wow. time's your show over in in Las Vegas? It was over uh, Sunday night, the tenth. So we went the twenty ninth of November through the tenth of December, playing. Uh, first week we did three shows that week, and then the next week we did four shows. And then we'll come back in March for another two weeks stint. Oh, wow. good. What's your next big thing uh, between now and then? Vacation. Good. <laughs> That's so good. Where will you go for vacation? I mean, do you go home or do you guys do you go away? Just someplace fun? Yeah, we're going to go home and have Christmas. Mm-hmm. And then um, uh, Shelby and a bunch of friends, we're going to Mexico for a week and then come back and start. I think my first job is January the 8th. And then start the new year again. I'm looking forward to 2018. Yes. Yep. It'll be here. (laughs) What is something? before we know it. Before we know it. I know. This podcast today has been brought to you by Ignite Coffee. We developed a proprietary mixture of specialty-grade coffee beans, an amazing blend of anti-inflammatory spices, including turmeric, cardamom, cinnamon, mache, and anche chilies. So you can do more than just wake up in the morning. Order Ignite Coffee at www.bbrconsulting.us. Enjoy your coffee and ignite your life. What is something that people don't know about you that they would be surprised to know? Doro, I don't think there's a thing in the world people <laughs> I'm pretty much an open book. What you see is what you get. And I, I'm just kind of like diarrhea of the mouth. I just say what it is. <laughs> we love what we see. So 
Which is great. It's, you know, and I I don't even know if this question makes sense, so we don't even have to use it. But like, is it, I mean, the role we've put you in and this role that we we have you in, which is you are a role model to us, even though you're our peer, a role model, an inspiration, a woman that's done so much. and, and, And as we said, has lived a really well life. Is that a lot of responsibility for you? Or do you even not even think like that? You know, when I was in junior high, we had, I, I went to basketball camp every summer. I loved basketball. And they would always have inspirational sayings on the wall everywhere. And I took that home with me. And it was a little poem called Little Eyes Are Watching. And it was Little Eyes Are Watching, Be Careful What You Do. Little Eyes Are Watching, Mimicking Everything You Do. So that was a huge responsibility at a very early age. To conduct myself, because I what I do, if somebody younger than me or just watching me influences somebody in a wrong way, that's not good. So I took that very seriously a long time ago. So the responsibility of being a good mentor, I take that with a, with a, I take it not lightly. Mm-hmm. Do you ever get tired? Responsibility. Yeah. Do we you all ever, appreciate it. Yeah, we do. Oh, thanks. You so much. Do you ever get tired of being in the public eye and wish you could go to Walmart? I'll tell you a story about my mom when she went to Walmart. She was walking through Walmart, and this was up in Maine, and people ran up to her and said, are you Barbara Bush? And she'd say, no, I'm not. And the next person, you're, you're Barbara Bush. No, I'm not. And then she went and got her, um, I think it was underwear she was by, and then just got in the car and left. So I'm wondering for you, do you ever wish you weren't in the public eye? No. No, I, I absolutely love it. I've been in the business business 41 years, uh, and there are times that I wish I could go to Walmart. <laughs> and, uh, I think the last time I went was Shelby was six, about, well, probably five years old, and he, he kept saying, Mom, Mom, quit signing autographs. We got to go. We got to go. I want to get to the toy department. And so I quit going to Walmart back then. But, uh, yeah, I do miss stuff like that. But getting to do what I do at the level I get to do it still, yeah. Yeah. you know, playing the Caesars in, in that beautiful arena with that, that stage, that theater, that's, you know, that's a dream come true. And so, yeah, there's a lot of things I don't get to do, but there's so many things that I do get to do because what I, what my profession is. And I, I, when I was a little kid, I'll just be honest with you, I wanted to be rich and famous. Yeah. I wanted to be so famous <laughs> that everybody would know my name. And then it it went past that of just that I like people and I want to meet people. I'm a people person. And so being who I am afforded me to meet presidents and queens and and that's fairy tale stuff right there. I mean, that's stuff that people dream about when they're little kids. And, And to meet your dad, Doro, and your family, your mom, everybody is just so sweet and down to earth. And it's just like, yeah, their titles are really expansive and big, but they're great people. And that's what it all boils down to. What I get to do is meet really good people. And that's what the best part about my job is, is the friends I've made. Mm. Right. 
God, they say good people attracts good people. So it's just not, I'm, you know, <laughs> and it's not a, not um, a mistake that your family is good friends with Reba. Uh, wow. <laughs> Reba, I what, love that. Thanks. What's, what's next for you in the next 30 years? Well, I have no idea. I really don't. I never, people always ask me, what, what's next? I, I don't have a clue. Yeah. I've always said, God, you're the planner. You're the manager. You you present um, whatever you want me to do, I'll do. Mm. And he's done a very good job. <laughs> yes, he, has. he sure has. And I'll keep him in that position as long as he wants it. Because um, I think my voice, I've always said I'm the conduit. I'm the water hose. Uh, if there's a song I'm supposed to be singing, I'm hoping that it'll touch people's hearts the way that God wants it to. When I go on stage, I say my prayer, Lord, if there's anybody out there that needs a message, let me be the conduit. Let me be the water hose. Mm-hmm. Use wow. me. Wow. Do you have any um, tips for aging gracefully? <laughs> <laughs> Stay happy. Yeah. yeah. Being happy, I mean, that sparkle in your eye, if you're happy, you, you've got the race one right there. Mm-hmm. Well, Reba, this has just been incredible. I mean, for us, a dream come true to yes. sit here and just ask you these questions that you've probably been asked a million times. <laughs> oh, y'all are sweet. I've enjoyed getting to visit with you, and hopefully we can do this sometime in the future in person. That would be and, great. Uh, sit and visit. That would be great. We're going to try to Thank you for joining us this week. We loved having you with us and look forward to seeing you next week. Um, in the meantime, look us up at bbnrconsulting.us. Feel free to subscribe on iTunes and leave us a message. Until then, I'm Trisha. And I'm Doro. Be well. <laughs>